Hello and welcome to this new edition of the Dreamers and Doers podcast from Ariaka Networks. We invite thought leaders from all over the world for some candid and insightful conversations. In today's episode, we're talking to Nikhil Sood, the Chief Information Officer of Boyd Corporation, which is a 90-plus-year-old young industrial company that's a worldwide leader in advanced solutions that cool, seal, and protect other disruptive technologies. With a focus on customer success, their technologies have helped in diverse endeavors such as safe space exploration to medical care and transportation to self-driving cars and brain surgery, to name a few. Nikhil, welcome and thank you for joining us. Thank you for being an Ariaka customer. Hey, Shashi, thank you so much for the opportunity and uh, you know, really look forward to this conversation. Well, let's get started. I just rattled off a few cool things that Boyd Corporation does. And being CIO there must be a lot of fun. How would you describe your role and maybe talk about the company as well in your own words, Nikhil? Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, it is a lot of fun, right? But uh, as you mentioned, Boyd is a 90-plus-year-old company, and we're on an am- amazing growth path, really, both organically and uh, you know, by strategic acquisition. I would say you covered some of our, you know, the cool stuff we do, but the real takeaway from here is, you know, we're firmly entrenched in some of the world's biggest mega trends at the moment, you know, and we're critical suppliers in industries like e-mobility, semiconductor, medical devices and wearables, green energy, you know, and so on, you name it. So we truly are today a leader in industrial technology and the future is very exciting here. My role as CIO, as you asked, is really to enable all the parts and pieces of this company, both a legacy Boyd standpoint and from a newly acquired company standpoint. You know, how do we get them to work together, make some sound business decisions in real time, and provide the information that we need to keep running and growing the company? So, you know, as you said, a lot of fun, a lot of work, and never a dull day. Life is exciting. Now, I know that you have two hats that you wear. You know, one as a CIO, and you also have the added responsibility of somebody overseeing a lot of this business process integration and standardization, how does that work, particularly when you look at acquisitions that you talked about? And I see, you know, Boyd is at a scorching pace of acquisitions. And um, in that instance, how do you balance these roles and make everything successful at the end of the day? Well, that's a great question. You know, and I think you're asking two separate things here, right? One is from an acquisition standpoint, and then the other is from how do I wear the two hats, correct? And, you know, let me address the two hats part first. You know, listen, there's always going to be foundational IT that has to be taken care of in any company. You know, it's just how do you keep the bits and bytes flowing efficiently and as securely as possible. That's a given. Those are table stakes for, for any company at this point. But aside from that, you know, any investment that we make in information technology, whether it's time, money, resources, we really need to look at it from a business process impact standpoint. You know, once that is built into kind of the organizational DNA, the two paths converge. So actually, it's not really two hats. It just becomes one hat if you look at it the right way. From an acquisition standpoint, the second question you asked is, we're on a fast-track acquisition path, right? It is, uh, we're doing almost one quarter, and we'll continue to do that wherever it makes strategic sense for us. So then there's the second piece, which is how do we get these companies to start working together, right? And that that really we can we can get into a little bit more detail if you want, 
but it, it really is a matter of an approach, a playbook, and making it more of a science than an art. When you try to do one-off acquisitions, you end up spending a lot of time, money, and effort, and probably waste a lot of that, uh, those resources on things that uh, may not be critical to the company as a whole. Nikhil, look, I've done my fair share of acquisitions in the past. We did our first ever acquisition from Ariaka's perspective earlier this year when we brought a company called SecuCloud based out of Germany. And I can tell you it was a fair bit of back and forth in trying to do that. Now, Boyd is at a pace of one acquisition every month or so. And I can only imagine the kind of process and structure that you guys have put together to make that happen. This velocity, assuming, you know, you go public or you further increase it, how are you actually building your IT systems for this kind of change and this kind of scale and still keeping everything sane? So that's a great question, Shashin. You know, in the last part you said, right, keeping everything sane, that is something we actually evaluate on a case-by-case basis. So when we acquire a company, when we do a, you know, a pre-due diligence and then post-diligence after close, we really have to make some decisions. And there are some fundamental things like infrastructure and financial consolidation. Those are given. We have a playbook for that. And within 60 to 90 days, we have that completed. And they're part of point from a, a daily operations standpoint, from a, you know, their email is the same, their networks are the same. They can access the systems up and down. So that is done. You know, their financial numbers flow through, rolls up into our numbers. That part we get done, you know, in the first two to three months post-acquisition. When it comes to business systems, specifically around ERP, right? That's that's our bloodstream of our company because um, you know we're in a manufacturing environment. That's really more of a case-by-case decision. We do have some standard ERP systems that we support at Void, uh, but then we look at it as part of our diligence. You know, does it make sense to convert the acquired company over to our system, or does it make sense to let them keep running on theirs? You know, if they're secure enough, if they're stable enough, if it's supported. And then consolidate more at a data level, right? We have these global data warehouses and data lakes. And we can actually provide a lot of the same information and even perform a lot of the business process and data standardization without ever re-implementing an ERP or you know, other major business systems over there. So we really look at it on a case-by-case basis. As to what the future holds, right? We don't know what's going to happen in the future. So, But our goal here and my specific aim is to set up all the building blocks that no matter which direction this company goes, that we're ready for that. When there is a an actual strategic plan, we will come up with a with a, with a tactical plan to kind of meet those needs. But but in the meantime, make sure that our foundational building blocks are in place in place, so that you know whichever way where the company decides to go, we're ready for it. It looks to me that you know you have taken something that's incredibly complex, which is disparate IT systems and processes and somehow figured out that magic formula to make them all come together. Is there also a cultural shift that you need to factor in because people are used to doing things a certain way or is that second nature to a post-acquisition scenario? No, you're absolutely right, right? I mean, when you go through acquisition of multiple companies, culturally and when people internalize it, it's very difficult to get people to switch from mindset of working for you know company XYZ to company Boyd. You know, that starts with even the email addresses. There's always a little bit of resistance. Well, I've used this email address for 20 years. My customers and suppliers are all very familiar with this. You know, why should I change to a Boyd Corp email address? 
And, uh, you know, the challenge really is how do you rebrand our company? How do you rebrand not only our company, but every acquired company to be kind of that one void? And that is a plan, actually, we've just recently started executing, which is customers know us by our older names, suppliers know us by older names. How do we change that to just be void and be known in the marketplace as void? When it comes to employee culture and employee thought processes, I think that's where it starts from, right? It starts from signage. It starts from who signs my paychecks. It starts from what my email address is. It starts from what do the customers call me when I when they call in? You know, they, do they ask for void or do they ask for whatever my previous company name was? Again, if you set all this branding and this philosophy around this whole rebranding process, thought processes and the cultural shift happens gradually, but it happens automatically. Yeah, you mentioned something about email, which stroked the thought. <laughs> we associate it so much with our identity sometimes that I can imagine why there is a resistance to change. When I have moved between organizations, there are certain emails that I have wanted and I was always frustrated if it were taken by somebody else. So I totally relate to what you're saying. And in some ways, it's perhaps treating into territory of marketing and branding and how do you get somebody to have the same sense of identity and passion. But kudos to you and Boyd Corporation. Looks like you've cracked the code on a lot of these things, which are hard to do. I want to switch gears a little bit, Nikhil. I don't want to talk to you about the pandemic. I think you guys have navigated it as successfully as a lot of other companies. But I want to touch upon this issue of supply chain. You know, every news agency, news portal we go to, we see, you know, ships stranded, trucks backed up, chip shortage, a lot of these things that are a byproduct of the pandemic in some sense. And the businesses that you deal with, I imagine, have some dependency in all of the supply chain issues. So how have you navigated that? And what do you think is the impact on the business environment going to be, not just for BART, but industries in general, if this continues? If I had the answer to that, uh, we'd be having a conversation on a beach somewhere, right, Shashi? But uh, uh, unfortunately, you know what? That's the world we are in today. You know, like everyone in the manufacturing sector or pretty much any sector, uh, you know, just a confluence of material shortages, freight inflation, labor shortages. They're just pressing down on everyone's bottom lines. You know, it's a crazy, crazy uh, world we live in today, but it's also an opportunity if you can handle it right. I don't think there's anybody out there who can say they've been completely untouched by this, but there are ways of, you know, mitigating the impact of these factors. Uh, we do have a team in place, right, to effectively, how do we reduce, minimize the impact of Boyd's bottom line and our customers' requirements in these inflation, inflationary conditions? And uh, I can tell you this, that we've done a lot of data mining, a lot of, you know, good old-fashioned negotiation skills, and actually have managed to Keep it to a minimum, right? It's to where it's not a killer. It's still a little bit of an impact, but it's not a killer uh, to our plans and to our performance. And this doesn't end here. We, who knows what the future looks like? So part of it is, you know, doing that data mining once, but make, make it a repeatable process. So if we had to, you know, go look at what my purchasing data looks like, what my pricing data looks like, that we have these tools readily available to our internal customers so that they can go and, you know, use their skills and use their relationships to do this. Uh, you know, I can proudly say that in spite of all these shortages, whether they be chip shortages and ships being hold up, uh, held up at places and trucks being canceled, you know, we've not had a single customer line down situation so far, you know, in, in, the, in the six months through this. 
that's always our primary goal. You know, how do we keep servicing our customers and not impact them? You take care of that one thing and everything else just flows through. So, you know, to answer your question, no one's cracked the code on this, but through a really a lot of good hard work and using data as the, back, the backstop, right, for all the actions we take, uh, we've been fairly successful in minimizing it. That's uh, remarkable. And uh, one of these recruitment firms told me that the jobs that are in most demand today are around procurement officers. It seems um, suddenly the demand for procurement officers have spiked up, especially those that can handle some of these issues with chip shortages and things like that. Yeah, yeah, and no surprise there, right? Because it's availability and it's also prices. And one's going down, the other's going up. And this is the time you realize, I should have a procurement manager to manage this, right? And relationships matter. Yep. That becomes very important now. Hey, speaking of customers, Anikhil, if we look through your website, you have several blue chip companies as a part of your customer portfolio. You're also a vendor to the Department of Defense and uh, essentially have locations all over the world. So how do you, you know, look at your own infrastructure? How do you look at the security or regulatory requirements as you service, you know, customers worldwide? Is there a methodology you bring in for something like that as well? Yeah, I mean, that's another great question. I would say great question, but it's, it's another point of action for pretty much every company, right? Look, cybersecurity in general is a big agenda item in today's world for pretty much every company. And those needs get further compounded by specific requirements from customers and how they want you to treat their data special, right, apart from everybody else. Um, and that includes the Department of Defense and some of our other blue chip customers. Um, but you, you kind of talk through it, right? We, we have to set up these data walls between the data sets, you know, based on customer requirements, uh, geographies, and a whole host of other factors. Uh, but specific to, to government or DOD uh, business and, and their data, I actually, I look at it a little differently. The government actually has pretty well-defined frameworks uh, that, that a company that does business with them uh, needs to implement, and we have implemented. You know, the security guidelines that they put out actually are being further enhanced under their recent CMMC program, uh, which all DOD suppliers are in the process of getting certified on. So it, it's a lot of work, don't get me wrong, but at least you know, you know what the end looks like, right? You start with a defined goal and you can work towards that. But you know, just like every other company, cybersecurity is one of the top things on anyone's uh, minds these days. And so do you have to think about security or even networks differently as a result of all of these things? No, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, shameless plug in here for Ayaka, right? We actually changed our whole network, our global network uh, with that in mind. How do we make it uh, more secure, more reliable and be able to kind of meet the needs of the, the, our customers, specifically the DOD in here? I'm really glad to hear that. And we're privileged to have you as a customer, Nikhil. And Boyd is uh, an innovator and we, we really are honored to partner with such innovators. I want to again shift gears a little bit away from the company and technologies to Nikhil Sooth as a person, as a leader. Is it possible for you to sort of share your career trajectory in terms of how you became a CIO and what your philosophy of leadership is? I know in one of the previous conversations you had, we had, you talked about this concept of servant leadership, which I think is a very profound concept. So how do you, you know, explain some of these to our listeners? Okay, yeah, we can uh, certainly talk about that. 
And from a career trajectory standpoint, right, I've been in this business for over 30 years, came up through the technical ranks, uh, actually switched to, to ERPs, which let me understand the business processes side of things. So really armed me well for both the technology as well as the business process uh, sides of the equation. And, um, you know, the, my career trajectory really took off from there because at the end of the day, and this is very cliched, but, you know, the most successful IT leaders are the ones that are viewed as business leaders first and technologists second. You still have to have the technology piece of it, but, you know, you should not be viewed or thought of as just a technology person. So, you know, that's kind of how my career has has progressed in uh you know, looking back, uh, I would say I've made a few right decisions at uh, some of the right times. Talk about leadership style. Yeah, you mentioned uh, servant leadership. You know, there, there are a lot of buzzwords out there for leadership styles. and But I think when it comes down to it, every leader has their own unique combination of values and philosophy when, uh, when it comes to leading their teams. Uh, my own approach, as you mentioned, is, you know, that my primary function is to ensure that my team has the best chance of success at what they do. This means that, you know, I have to lead the team by actually working for the team, by making their job easier, removing obstacles that are in my area of influence to do, and sometimes shielding them from a lot of unwanted noise. I believe a leader should start really every day uh, with their team with a, you know, how can I help you today kind of thing. Not, Not necessarily in words, right? You don't have to say the words, but in actions and in your approach. And really, when you look at it, whether you call it servant leadership or whatever, that's been my philosophy and approach so far, which is how do I make my team more successful? How do I make it easier for them to do their job? Like I said, Nikhil, that's a very profound concept. And uh, I think your team is very lucky to have you as a leader. And uh, Boyd is certainly very lucky to have you as a CIO at the helm. I think we also got the title for the podcast when you talked about requiring to have that business knowledge to succeed in addition to being a a technologist. It's actually a very valuable insight and something that doesn't come across easily, um, that every role, no matter what it is, needs to have that business context and, and relevance. I thought we got a lot of good information here, Nikhil. Is there anything else you want to share in terms of, you know, how you see the future evolving or what excites you over the next uh, few years? Oh, there's a lot of exciting things on the horizon, uh, Shashi, and we'll, we'd be here all day if we, if we start talking about it. But really, truly for Boyd, I am excited on the, on the path we're on. It is a high growth in a high impact market at a global level, right? It's not in one region or one geography. It's, it's all across the globe. And, uh, you know, being in on, you know, as part of our leadership team through this, uh, through this exciting phase of, of the company is something that is really exciting to me and gets, you know, gets me up every morning. As I said before, the future is super exciting and, uh, you know, it's going to be a fun ride. And with those famous words, let's wrap up this podcast. Nikhil, it was a pleasure to host you. Thank you for making the time to spend uh, and share some insights with us. Folks, that was Nikhil Sood, the CIO of Boyd Corporation, who shared his thoughts on the technology landscape, supply chain, also, his concepts around servant leadership. Nikhil, thank you again. I truly enjoyed the conversation and would love to have you again some other time and let the future be as bright as you portray it to be. Hey, Shashi, thanks for the wine. Absolutely enjoyed the conversation and I look forward to doing it again. Thanks again, Nikhil. All right, thank you.